Good morning, everyone. I'm Sid, your host and uh, creator of Sit Down Visit podcast. Our guest today is a postdoctoral research associate researching the consequences of conspiracy theories. He completed his doctoral thesis at the University of Kent, which focused on the relationships between attachment, anxiety, catastrophizing, and belief in conspiracy theories. Without further ado, all the way from UK, I present to you our guest today, Dr. Ricky Green. Hi, Ricky. I said, yeah, thank you for inviting me on and, and that introduction. Uh, thanks for uh, taking the time. I know you're a busy person, so mm -hmm. we appreciate that. Um, so um, would you like me to call you Dr. Ricky or Ricky? What do you call uh, Ricky's fine. <laughs> Perfect, Ricky. Yeah. All right, Ricky. So before we kind of get into the podcast, would you take a minute or two to explain, uh, give a little bit background about yourself to our audience, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, as you said, I've recently finished my PhD um, just about a year and a half ago, and I'm currently working on a um, big project called the Conspiracy FX Project. Mm -hmm. And it's quite different. Uh, well, it, it's still research in con conspiracy theories, the psychology of conspiracy theories. But what I was doing in my PhD was um, researching why people believe in conspiracy theories. So what psychological factors make it more likely for someone to be drawn or to find a track, uh, to find conspiracy theories attractive. Um, and yeah, so I completed that year and a half ago. And now I'm working at the same university uh, with Professor Karen Douglas, who leads this uh, really big project, the Conspiracy Effects Project. And uh, in this, we now concentrate on the consequences of conspiracy theories. So whilst we still look at why people are drawn to them, we, we are mainly looking at the consequences of these beliefs. So consequences to science, health, um, but also to people themselves. So for the people who share conspiracy theories, you know, a lot of the research right. that I'm leading in this project looks at, um, you know, how people perceive others who share conspiracy theories. Um, and yeah, so I've, I've, you know, I've got a great interest in this. I, um, I, I got into it because I've always found conspiracy theories fascinating and uh, I know a lot of people that believe in them and, um, you know, admittedly myself, I was kind of entertained by them as well uh, before I started my studies. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I'm looking in this field because I'm interested in like, why people believe in them. And, and uh, uh, Thanks, Ricky, for the intro. You know, the reason I wanted to do this was I actually want to thank uh, Professor Karen Douglas on, mm -hmm. over here. Uh, for highly recommending me, uh, highly recommending you, as she speaks highly about you. The reason I wanted to get into it is this is because I had a guest uh, who is one of the, I would say, loudest voice in the flat earth theory, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it was very hard to uh, understand him, you know. He defies science. He accused me of being a victim of pseudoscience, you know. Mm -hmm. that we are brainwashed by pseudoscience. And uh, and overall, he says there is only 2 billion population. And I come from India, where the population is 1.4 mm -hmm. plus billion, you know. Yeah. So it's very hard to reason with some people. And once again, I'm not trying to bash him. I have respect for mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to know, what is a conspiracy theory and why do people get drawn to it? Um. Well, conspiracy theories are many different people uh, and and that um goes into the fact that there's many different reasons why people are drawn to them mm -hmm. um so i can give you kind of a breakdown as to um like the perspective that we kind of go with here at the university of Kent, but also so this is um the a perspective that uh, professor karen douglas put forward with other colleagues here 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it is seems to be widely agreed upon um, with researchers around the world as well that people are motivated to believe in conspiracy theories. Um, and when I say motivated, I, I mean like subconsciously as well. So it's not like um, uh, a deliberate uh, effort to... Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so they're motivated to believe in them as a way of satisfying psychological needs that we mm-hmm. all have. Right. Um, for instance, so if I talk about three broad needs, we all want to feel secure and mm-hmm. in control of our lives. Um, we all want to feel like we have an understanding of the world. So we okay. have a need for knowledge. Uh, and we also have social needs. We want to feel good about ourselves, so self-esteem, and we want to feel good in our in our groups and, and feel good about with people around us. Um, now, for not everyone has all of these needs met, um, you know, um, and so some people are feel insecure uh, mm-hmm. and some people don't feel good in their social groups, for instance. And it's these people that we're finding, um, it's these... Um, psychological factors that we're finding draws people towards conspiracy theories um so if i start with like the um the need to feel secure so what we call that is like this existential need to feel secure and in control so ricky if i I understand i'm sorry so you're telling me you're breaking down the psychological factors which also includes the social factor the Mm self-esteem yes okay yeah, so so we'd include that as in like your psychology, you know, like these social factors. This is kind of all makes up your your psychology. Now I I can you know without and please do stop me if I need to like explain a little bit more or if, if I give too much information. Sure. But um, if I start with like this need to feel secure, that's right. kind of that's what my PhD thesis was on. So as you mentioned earlier, um, I, I looked at in my PhD attachment anxiety, um, catastrophizing, and conspiracy belief. Um, and that was um, so the reason I, I looked at that, because in my master's, I found a relationship between attachment anxiety and conspiracy belief in that people who are anxious about their relationships, which is what attachment anxiety is, um, they're more drawn to conspiracy theories. And the and the reason that I found in my PhD as to why mm-hmm. is, well, people with attachment anxiety, um, they're inherently insecure with their relationships. And their insecurity look, uh, translates into them. They, they feel uncertain that, you know, people around them, close people are not uh, paying enough attention to them or supporting them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I theorize and, and found in my PhD is that um, perhaps people with, people with attachment anxiety have this tendency to catastrophize, to exaggerate um, threats that are around them. And the reason that they do this as attachment theory is because that's one way of getting the attention of, of significant others. Um, so perhaps, and that's this kind of what I've argued in my PhD is that, because um, we, we consistently find this relationship between catastrophizing and conspiracy belief, that perhaps conspiracy belief is, well, endorsing conspiracy theories and talking about them might be another way of catastrophizing and trying to get you know, the attention of, of significant others. And, you know, with the ultimate aim of trying to make them feel more secure by having close others um, uh, supporting them, if that makes sense. So so I hope you don't mind if I, I'll give you some pushback, you know. Yeah. So what I understand is now you said they, they need to feel secure, right? Mm-hmm. Is it more like personal relationships, professional relationships? And from what I can understand, it's more about validation in a social society. Correct me if I'm wrong from what I'm perceiving. Uh, well, in this in in this particular, like um, with, with attachment anxiety, it is about like personal relationships. Okay. Yeah, and it's about 
so I know it can seem far reached, like well, how would that relate to conspiracy theories? But it's about the particular um, um, ways that people with attachment anxiety act and regulate mm -hmm. their emotions and things like that. And one and what, what the literature consistently shows, so beyond conspiracy theories, is that people with attachment anxiety have a tendency to catastrophize and exaggerate threats around them. And the mm -hmm. reason that they do this is so that they can, you know, get attention from significant others, friends, family members, uh, and things like that. Because because of their attachment anxiety, they see that as the best strategy to get that attention. And 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 I can, in my in my work, I've consistently found attachment anxiety to be related to conspiracy belief. And during my PhD, I then find catastrophizing to also um, be related to conspiracy belief. So putting this all together. It, it's, this is only one argument, by the way, because right. as I was saying, like there's many different reasons why people are drawn to conspiracy. This is just one narrative, right? Right. Um, and there's lots more that you know we, we can discuss, but just I'm just discussing this because this is particularly sure. what I looked at during my PhD. Um, but yeah, basically, like people with attachment as I might be drawn to conspiracy theories as it's another way of catastrophizing about you know problems and and, and issues um, that that they're worried about. So, so, Ricky, then let me ask you, if I wanted to ask you, what are some of the personality traits of these people who believe in conspiracy theories, what will they be? The reason I'm asking that yeah. is because you said that they want attention, right? So, so if they want attention, they do get attention and a lot of people believe in them. So what is it that makes them a leader in a group of conspiracy theories um, versus someone who is a follower? I hope you under do you understand oh, my right. question? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what I've been talking about is just like the general people that believe in conspiracy theories. I've not really, to be fair, it's quite hard to answer that. Um, because actually there needs to be a lot more research on right. not just the people that believe in conspiracy theories, but the leaders of 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 these um um of sharing conspiracy theories. Right. I think that's, that's a really uh, good question. And and all in all honesty, like I haven't really done the research that looks in that, that particular um group of people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and just to go back on so what, what we're saying about like for, for people that are, are spreading them for attention as i was right. saying just specifically for the subset of people with attachment anxiety uh for instance right um uh but like so with this insecurity it's not just like attachment anxiety mm -hmm. that will predict whether someone believes in conspiracy theories it's feelings of powerlessness mm -hmm. uh, general anxiety um people who are stressed you know um like people can get solace in these conspiracy theories because it can explain why um you know why they're having these issues in their life right and not just not just mm -hmm. um personal insecurities but also uh things like relative deprivation so how you know economically deprived you are compared to other people um, mm -hmm. like low socioeconomic status is also a predictor of conspiracy belief sometimes um so it's really about like you know if you're not if if so, I, I, again, I'm only talking from the point of view of the sure. general general conspiracy believers. Um, that yeah, uh, if 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 you're if you feel inherently insecure, um, like whether that's personally or 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 economically, then you're going to be more likely to believe conspiracy theories as a way to you know explain your situation. So, Ricky, let me ask you: How do you measure an anxiety? I know you you did your thesis in this. So so, what is it that you study? The main thing I want to know is how do you measure the level mm -hmm. of anxiety? For example, from scale of one to ten, if you say six and above, 
lie in the conspiracy theory bracket. So, so how do you measure that? So it's basically a, a mainly survey based. So, okay. it's, but you know, we curate these surveys, and mm-hmm. they 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 they're made from you know really theoretically driven uh, work. Basically, mm-hmm. so when I've measured attachment anxiety, um, I've used it from a validated scale that mm-hmm. has like eighteen statements that represent um, attachment anxiety, and you know you get a mean average score. And if it's high, then they're they're high in attachment anxiety. If it's low, then they're more secure. And like some of these items are like um, I, I've got to try and remember these. Like I, I worry that my um, my partner doesn't love me anymore. Right. Like that. Because that's that's what is uh, inherent about attachment anxiety is that they just have this worry that the people that are close to them don't love them anymore. Um, and you know that blows to- my mind away. You just said that because I mean. And I'm sorry if I interrupt you, or you know, because the thing is, like that has nothing to do with conspiracy theory in a realistic, in a realistic world, right? It's just maybe it they consider conspiracy theory as an outlet to Mm -hmm. validate themselves. I don't know if if, well, if uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, and this is this is what I'm trying try well trying to argue my PhD is it's not it's yeah in a way not yes in a way to maybe validate themselves because. Um, what kind of what I argue in, in my thesis is that, you know, it, it is far reached, right? You know, that statement I just read to you and you'd mm-hmm. think, why, why would someone who scores high on that also score high in conspiracy beliefs? Right. Well, I, I, just to let you know, I consistently find that in like 10 studies um, that I've ran and studies that I've run previous before. So it is, there's something there. It exists. People who score high on this t- attachment anxiety measure also score high in conspiracy belief. So in my PhD, that's why I tried to figure out why do they, why is this relationship here? And that's when I, that's when I thought about catastrophizing. And as I was saying, so if you think about someone who um, is worried about their partner not loving them, um, they, the strategies, and this is what attachment theory says, which is like a well-developed theory. Um, mm-hmm. They say that people with attachment anxiety, they because they are uncertain about their relationships, they feel like they need to, you know, instead of uh, the most secure way of, of being in a relationship would be, you know, not not really being worried about this sort of stuff. And you and you have trust in your partner and things like that, then then everything's fine. But for people with attachment anxiety, they they they, they don't they, they feel uncertain about their relationship. So one strategy for them to to validate themselves as you say and to try and to get not like attention but support and to be heard mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to express problems going on so when so so attack people with attachment anxiety they catastrophize about many things like stress and pain and stuff like that they they they, they, they kind of exaggerate the threats that they are um are having and, and and that's why i think conspiracy belief is linked to that because it's just another way of, you know, trying to express a threat and then trying to get the help and support and attention from from significant others. I don't know if that's making a bit more sense now. Or not. No, no, it, it does make sense. I'm just trying to make it uh, more uh, easy for our audience to understand yeah. because, you know, some people, uh, as I said, you know, might not understand how it yeah. correlates. But since you have yeah. a PhD in it, you've been doing it for years, yeah. it's always good to know from someone yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I ask you now, uh, now, some people think that the belief in conspiracy theories has been on the rise in recent years fueled by crisis, social media. Yeah. Uh, 
do you agree? And if you do, then how do you guys measure this? Because once again, this is not related to attachment anxiety. We're talking about yeah. the rise in theory yeah. just because on social media, what's going on. And, and, and especially in crisis, I have also studied that in crisis, uh, conspiracy theories are born. So, so yeah. let us understand that. Yeah, thank you. No, it's a really good question. And uh, so I can only talk about the research that's already out there, nothing that I've done myself, but sure. um, there has actually, basically the conclusion is, is that conspiracy theories like aren't, they're not necessarily rising and rising and rising and rising. Mm -hmm. Basically what one conclusion from a paper, and this is a really cool and interesting paper. Um, they basically say like conspiracy theories ebbs and flows throughout time. There's peaks and they go down. And mm -hmm. it's related to crisis and things like that. So during the pandemic, I mean, we had a, a few things going on at the same time, right? We've had the pandemic with lockdowns, um, like, you know, there's... Uh, um, I think that would be a great topic to kind of chime into it because, you know, I have seen that you've also written a paper on the COVID-19 and, and yeah. relation and 2020. So, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and like, you know, the financial insecurities as well in the Ukraine war, and there's just right. so much stuff going on um, that it may seem like conspiracy theories are on the rise and there's just more and more, which, you know, at the current time, that's that's probably true. Like there's because there is new conspiracy theories and there's, they're being talked about a lot. Um, however, you know, once these once these crises subside, you know, conspiracies, theories start to go down again. Right. And that's basically what has been found somewhat in the literature. Like there's this really cool study where someone looked at letters to uh, Joe Uzinski um, and, and other colleagues in, in Miami University, looked yeah. at um, letters to the editor. It's, it's a big newspaper that's been around for like nearly hundred years. I wanna say the times or something, but I could be wrong there. But either way, they looked at all the letters that have been sent to um, an, an editor over time. And, um, and they find that like, Conspiracy theories were talked about often, like, uh, but like no, like, there was no significant sort. There was no significant sort of change. Like, there wasn't like a proper upward directory of conspiracy theories being talked more and more about. It just mm -hmm. seemed to like go up and down over time, and it was also related a lot to who was in power at the time as well. Like, like who was, um, like the the who was sending the letters depended on who was in power. So if the Republicans were in power, for instance, then it would be Democrats talking about conspiracy theories and that's that's a whole other thing by the way what they concluded is that uh, and it sounds bad but what they say is that conspiracy theories are for for losers and what they mean by that is it's for whoever's on the losing team so for instance like if you are if you are a democrat and a Republican, that's a great point yeah go yeah ahead. yeah so like but if you're winning then you know you don't need to to just you know there's nothing you're you're on top so uh you got nothing really to, to talk about in regards to conspiracy theories uh, but yeah, like what, what they found in that cool paper as well, where they concluded that conspiracy theories ebbs and flows as opposed to as opposed to continually going up, um, that, yeah, if the Republicans were in power, it was Democrats sending in letters about conspiracy theories and, and then vice versa. Um, so that was a really interesting find uh, from, from that paper. Um, but yeah, just just to go back to the original point, like even with social media being here and uh, right. with, with all the crisis, as far as we're aware, like they're not going up and up. It's not like more and more people are believing about them. It doesn't seem like that. It's just that they, they can seem loud at the moment because there's just a lot of crisis going on and a lot of talk about conspiracy theories. But um, yeah, as far as I'm aware with the literature, like they're not 
rising and rising um and uh, once these existential crises go away then perhaps they'll just become a little bit more quiet then then what do you say about the top vocal voices in podcast industry i'm going to give you an example joe rogan he's the king of podcasting in the united states right he believes there are aliens following that you have so many videos if you go on youtube it's unbelievable and mm. the amount of likes the amount of comments the amount of people that believe in them it just yeah. blows my mind away you know and and i'm saying listen i don't know i don't have an answer if aliens exist or not and actually mm-hmm. i'm having an alien conspiracy theorist on the podcast in two weeks to talk about that but 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 what do you say from their point of view these top leaders uh you know even in covid you know mask mandate vaccinations mm-hmm. and i think i read your studies where you know people were like you know did they believe the media did they believe the conspiracy theory that masks don't do anything mm-hmm. the vaccine is not real what do you have to say to that point you know because that's kind of not increasing but it's kind of escalating the spread yeah. of the conspiracy theories to the masses all across the globe yeah 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 um as yeah as i said earlier there's not research that i've been doing anyway and and not there must be some out there where they're looking particularly at these conspiracy leaders as you say but i've just remembered there is a term which this is another way that you could look at them maybe some are conspiracy believers and i'd say you could use that if if they definitely believe in what they're talking about and they're mm-hmm. spreading but perhaps there is another reason and uh, you know there's a term called conspiracy entrepreneur mm-hmm. so people perhaps making money out of this and a lot of people with podcasts are and especially if they have huge followings and with the likes on twitter now or x whatever you want to call it right. um you know you can get revenue off of that now if you have a certain amount of following um so perhaps like it is really hard to know like the real motives of of a lot of these conspiracy leaders especially when you know as as you said earlier if if there's so much scientific consensus on a topic and then you know this certain leader is just doesn't believe in it uh is it because they really don't believe in it or they've tapped into a market here and they know that they can make a lot of money you know i, I don't know i mean it's it's really hard to right. tell but i assume that that uh, i mean i would initially think that a lot of the people that are like the leaders as you say that they would they do believe in what what they're saying because otherwise it's just dishonest and they really are right. just going to make money out of the situation um but yeah obviously this can have an effect on the amount of people that are going to start believing in conspiracy theories but i i just i just don't know the answer as to whether it is in, increasing you know if it's bringing more people into the sure. um, into the fold um I, i i think it's like these are really important questions that you're asking and uh, probably more research needs to be done on on this to be honest because uh, it's hard to give you it's hard to give you a, a direct answer on it great so so i'm going to stick to your expertise which is the attachment anxiety in conspiracy theories yeah now I was wondering if you see any associations between other demographic categories in 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 that sector attachment anxiety such as age or gender and tendency to believe in conspiracy theories. Yeah no there, there was no like so we always included age and gender in in our in in our in our studies as well and there wasn't really um they, they didn't affect the results at all um like there wasn't really a, a an older age or a younger age or or a particular gender that changed the results in any way um but just just today you know, i can talk definitely talk a lot more other than like attachment anxiety because as i said there's all these other psychological motives and that is just one small subsection like there's lots of other reasons why people are drawn to conspiracy theories 
Uh, I could possibly talk about uh, some of those. Please. Um, yeah. So, um, so when I was talking about conspiracy theories, when I mentioned powerlessness, etc., uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's related to this existential need to feel secure and in control. Which right. we all have that need. We all want to feel secure. Um, but we also have this need of uh, knowledge. Like we want to feel like we understand the world. You know, it's not nice not understanding. For some people, that it's not a bother. Um, but there's one particular uh, way of thinking that uh, attracts people more to conspiracy theories than the other. So you have, so you can even like kind of think critically and an- analytically about the world, or you can go by gut feelings and intuition. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this intuitive thinking style that is more related to conspiracy theories, which might explain why some people, you know, even though there's scientific consensus uh, on a certain topic, whether it be climate change or, you know, whether the earth is round or flat. um, So there's all this scientific consensus, but some people just have a gut feeling that that's not right. And these people are drawn to conspiracy theories. And that might explain why they're able to just, you know, yeah, not 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 take on the the scientific consensus. Right. So so I want to ask you, like, what aspects of uh, conspiracy theory in the attachment anxiety are you looking at today in your current, you know, research? And then, uh, what is your end goal? Where does it stop, or it never stops? Yeah. No. Um, so I'm not looking at attachment anxiety anymore because I finished I finished that right. but I'm I am actually in the process of writing up the paper for publication because I've still yet to do that. Um so it's it's funny that we're talking about this again because I am working on it, but I've been uh, I kind of stopped right. doing that. Because once once I started this new job, I've got a whole new line of research to look right. at. And, and is so, that research in the same line right now where you it's, are? It's looking at conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> But okay. looking at the consequences of conspiracy theories, but we're not looking about why people are drawn to them, but more the, you know, um, the the consequences to them for politics. If you don't like, mind sharing that, that would be great because that's yeah. that's actually a very important point. Yeah. Why people believe, but consequences actually everything in life has consequences. So yeah. if you if you want to take time here to explain, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So like there's as I said, there's four like main work packages that we've been looking at, and it's the consequences to politics, health, mm-hmm. science. But also, and this is quite like, this has not really been looked at uh, too much in the literature, but also the consequences for people who share them. Um, so this might tap into actually like the, the leaders, uh, as right. you were saying earlier. Because right. um, one paper that we published uh, quite quite early into the first year um, looked at how do people perceive uh, conspiracy sharers, basically. Okay. And, um, we looked at it in a few different ways. So in one study... We, because we want to know, because um, basically research has already shown that like conspiracy theories are stigmatized beliefs. You know, mm-hmm. people um, associate um, people who share conspiracy theories as being, you know, crazy. Sometimes that's what that's what's been shown in the in the in the literature. That's not something that we say. We think it's a little bit disparaging, but like this is what people, you know, do think. Um, and so we wanted to kind of look into that in a little bit more detail about what how people perceive conspiracy sharers. And in mm-hmm. one study, we asked people to um, uh, like to to, to yes yeah, to we asked them like we showed them a conspiracy theory and mm-hmm. asked them if you wanted other people to perceive you as unstable, mm-hmm. uh, how would you respond to this uh, conspiracy theory? 
And people scored high on that, saying, yeah, if I wanted to appear unstable to others, I would say that I believe in this conspiracy theory. Wow. So, yeah. So people like, you know, have that that's how people, I guess, perceive themselves if they were going to pretend to be a conspiracy uh, uh, believer. Um, but then also we looked into the we also then looked on the flip side as well. And we, and we create like a, um, a, a politician speech, like it's made up, but it's mm -hmm. like basically something you could probably find in, in, in an American politician speech. Um, cause often that they can talk about conspiracy theories. If you think about the deep state conspiracy theory. Yes. Yes. That. Yeah. Yes. That's like Donald Trump's probably big conspiracy theory. So we kind of modeled this, uh, fake speech off of, uh, you know, text that's very similar to Donald Trump, but we didn't use the word Donald Trump or anything like that in there because we just wanted to see what people think of right. a politician who shares conspiracy theories. So we had this fake speech, which, um, yeah, um, one speech basically talked about the deep state conspiracy theory and how it's a real thing. And then we had another politician speech that we made up, which basically said the opposite. They said like deep state is not a real thing. And then we asked people, you know, how do you perceive these um can these these two different politicians and um basically the conspiracy sharing politician got a bad rap compared to the anti-conspiracy sharing politician uh in that like they perceive the conspiracy sharer as uh less honest and trustworthy um however there were like oh yeah they were also less likely to want to vote for this politician oh that um, makes so much sense actually now yeah yeah and but then but then there were these like other like I don't know if you want to call these potential benefits. Right. Basically, they were perceived as the conspiracy sharing politician compared to the anti-conspiracy sharing politician was perceived as you know an outsider or a rogue who's probably more able to affect change. So although people said that they would have less intentions to vote and saw them as less trustworthy and things like that, they also saw them as an outsider. You know, and and someone who might be able to affect change, um, which is like if you think about Donald Trump, you know, he he was very well. But you know, he's he's he was he's been the president now. But before he was, he was probably considered an outsider, and probably yeah. considered someone who's able to affect change, uh, and someone like that was able to actually ultimately win win the presidency one time. So, you know, potentially conspiracy theories might be beneficial for some people. You know, if if the group of people that are perceiving this person is they want an outsider they want someone different to the to the typical political system if that makes sense oh that, we that's that, we found that free in free studies like basically very similar results wow so so let me ask you is there any way to effect to effectively debunk a conspiracy theory once it is out there or like like what is your based on your phd based on the research that you've done what is the answer to that? Do you debunk them? Do you support them? Or do you oppose them? Uh, this is this is a really uh, difficult question and something that's... So as, as time's gone on during this research, at the beginning, uh, everyone's trying to find out why people drawn to them. Now people like what I'm doing at the moment are concentrating on what are the consequences? And we know lots of people believe in them. So what are the consequences as well? But the next stage as well is because we know now that there are lots of consequences, like not just what I was saying to you about politicians losing votes, but less people want to be vaccinated. Well, conspiracy believers are less likely to want to be vaccinated, less likely to want to uh, try and combat climate change. 
um, less likely to want to vote, you know, in politics. Uh, there's so many different consequences. Um, so now, as you're saying, research needs to know how do we intervene on this? Like, right. how do we stop these at least harmful conspiracy theories, uh, harmful conspiracy beliefs, you know, at least the ones related to vaccinations and, and things like that? Um, and in all honesty, like the research is really early and um, there isn't like a silver bullet at the moment. There isn't something mm -hmm. that can, you know, fix like just it's, it's not an easy task, basically. Um, but there is some work that's being done um, in Cambridge, actually. And uh, I believe it's Cambridge or Oxford. Sorry, I've just, just got mixed up in my mind. But they're looking at is this is quite cool, actually, as well. They um, it's called psychological inoculation. Mm -hmm. So it works very similar to traditional inoculation, traditional vaccines in that, um, you know, you expose someone to a weakened version of a virus and it makes them, their body less susceptible to uh, being infected by that virus at a later stage. Right. So there's this thing called psychological inoculation where you can, and you can do this in a number of different ways, where you can expose someone to like how conspiracy theories spread. So if you, and there's a, I can show you this, I can send you a link after this if you want. There's something called the bad news game. And in this game, you your aim is to amass lots and lots of followers online. Mm -hmm. Like this fake social media um, game. And um, and your goal is to, yeah, to get as many followers as you can. And it basically tells you the ingredients for how to spread a conspiracy theory. Um, and you can like, you know, use emotionally manipulative 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 language um you can uh pretend that you're an authority figure when you're not uh things like that so basically this game mm -hmm. basically tells you how conspiracy theories are spread and then because you've played this game and then you've amassed followers that later you know after this game you know when you go online or something and then you might encounter a conspiracy theory but mm -hmm. then you can you can spot the signs because you've already you you kind of know how it's how these conspiracy theories are being spread. Does this make sense, Mo? Yeah, it does make sense. I just want to know when you say this game, who is the originator of this game, or is it just just a game on social media? Or because I will definitely would love to look at that and actually try it myself. Yeah. And um, so so is that something you also use? or you used in the past in your research or something? Yeah, no, uh, so I've not used it. This is, it's been, it has been researched. Um, uh, so I'm just trying to, yeah. Um, I'm just, just, I'm just trying to see where it was again, but no, it's, 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 it has been used in research basically. And it is available now. Like I can okay. send you the link. Um, and it's just basically one tool, um, a way of, the, doing this psychological inoculation where you just it kind of it basically just tells people this is how conspiracy theories spread this is how um these are the techniques that are used and be, and because people and what and what the idea theory is behind this is that because people then learn how how these techniques are used that when they then come across you know fake news or conspiracy theories online they, they have an idea and, you know, they're less susceptible to it because they've been inoculated against it. Does, 
yeah yes. so i hope that makes sense I, I think it's quite cool and it seems to be working like there's lots of there's lots of i, I it's not research that i'm doing but it's colleagues mm -hmm. that i know um and uh, other colleagues that are well sorry other researchers around the world that are trying this out and they're testing it and they're finding that people who play this game or other methods of psychological inoculation later down the line they're less susceptible to conspiracy theories so I'm going to ask you a question, you know, uh, it's a tricky question, but I'm just curious to ask yeah. also. You're in UK, you did your PhD, your studies are based in, in UK, correct? Is yeah. it like local group of cities, right? Is it possible? Now, I don't have an answer, but I would love to know from you since you're a professional here. Is it possible that someone from another country contradicts your thesis and presents the opposing views based on their countries. Yes, yeah, and that has happened. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, enough. please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you don't mind sharing, please. No, no, absolutely. No, no. It was actually very interesting because this was before I started my PhD, mm -hmm. and uh, it was just after my master's. Um, so, in my master's, that's why I first found this relationship between attachment anxiety and conspiracy belief, and I published that work um like soon uh, about a year after and literally at the same time another paper was published saying avoidant attachment and conspiracy belief oh and wow basically because there's because uh, i didn't go into avoidant attachment because that's because i'm looking at attachment anxiety but there are two uh attachment uh, insecure attachment styles attachment anxiety and attachment avoidance and in my work i i only i, I always measured both but I only found attachment anxiety, not avoidance, to, to be associated with conspiracy belief. But in their paper, they, they found attachment avoidance mainly, and only to a lesser degree, attachment anxiety, to predict conspiracy belief. The difference is, is that they, this was in Italian. So this was in Italy and mm -hmm. among Italian samples. Um, and mine was, you know, in the, well, mine was the UK and US. I had participants from UK and US. So I think I just, I, you just reminded me about that, like as you've asked that really good question, um, that yeah, there, there sometimes can be some cultural differences. So like what I'm finding, uh, mm -hmm. what the psychology that I'm finding to predict conspiracy belief might not always be true in a different country, which is kind of what we found here. Now, I haven't really looked into that. Um, and, the, and it's hard to, to really explain why when I haven't, studied it you know i can only guess as to why there are those differences um but because but i'm well, sure you might also have opposing views to that like listen you're an yeah. expert in this you chose attachment anxiety yeah and the other person presents i'm just giving an example attachment avoidance uh, yeah. avoid uh, avoiding attachment sorry yeah. and and it's actually very interesting because their study says that avoiding uh attachment avoidance leads to more belief in conspiracy theories yeah. versus yours is attachment anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Now you have spent all these years studying this, and I'm sure at some point of time you would agree to them, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit, but I'm also sure that you would also stand ground to your own study that you have spent years and years. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's why you know in my PhD I continued it and I ran another st ten studies, and I find the same thing. You know, attachment anxiety is related to conspiracy belief and not attachment avoidance like i know ne i never find that i if anything i only find that it's negatively related to it which means it's just definitely at least not in the uk and us but that's why i'm saying like i can't 
it's hard for me to to say, oh, attachment avoidance is not related to conspiracy belief until I actually do a cross-cultural study where I look at, you know, Italians and UK and US, you know, all in one big study um, systematically. Uh, It would be interesting to do of just, as I said, I'm starting this new job where I'm looking at consequences. So like, it's quite hard to find time to look at, you know, things that I find personally interested in, uh, in interested in now. Um, but yeah, I guess like, so I, I, what I would say is that like in, in, in the UK and US, uh, it seems to be attachment anxiety. So I would argue that all the time, like you won't mm-hmm. find, I mean, if you do, it's going to be very rare. Uh, but attachment anxiety is, is the, the main attachment related variable with conspiracy belief, at least here in the UK and US. But the thing is, attachment styles is is a lot to do with, uh, how, you know, how you were raised, like how, yeah. how your parents raised you. It really is a strong determinant of your attachment style later in life. And perhaps if I'm going to guess, like there's probably some differences in child rearing, you know, with Italian in, in, in Italian population versus the UK and, and US population. I don't know what that is exactly, but my guess is that it might be related to that. You know, maybe there's more people with attachment avoidance in Italy than, you know, uh, in in UK and US. I'm not sure. Or maybe like there's different processes involved, psychological process, which I I can't really explain about because I haven't looked into it. But, you know, I feel like there's definitely some cultural difference reason as to why we have these different results. But I haven't looked into it. And uh, yeah, I I don't know what the answer is yet. (laughs) I just have a couple of more questions before we wrap this up. You know, I was just thinking about this, that you did your PhD in attachment anxiety. Now, attachment is considered or perceived as a positive sign of affection, endurance, right? Enduring affection. Anxiety is not perceived something as a positive trait in a a person. So it's like an yin and yang. And you were able to combine the yin and yang and come up to a conclusion that these two factors, it's very hard to find that. Like they both are on the opposite spectrum. No, so, so, so let me stop you there. So basically there, uh, there's, as I mentioned just a moment ago, there's avoidant attachment as well. And atta- sorry, attachment anxiety, attachment avoidance. They're the two two main, like um, what we call dimensions. Like they're, they're the two main factors in attachment is anxiety and avoidance. Now, if you're high, on either one of those, then you're insecure. However, if you are low on attachment avoidance and low on attachment anxiety, then you are secure. You have a secure attachment. So, you know, when 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 I'm saying when I'm saying attachment anxiety, I'm not saying positive neg- like attachment anxiety is is a is an insecure attachment. Okay. If I say secure attachment, then that means low on anxiety, low on avoidance. So they 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 don't feel worried they don't feel worried about their relationships and they actually want relationships because people with attachment avoidance they they they're not they they prefer they prefer like they they don't like being in close relationships people with attachment anxiety want to be in close relationships but they're worried about them that's so interesting yeah but when you're low on both then then you want relationships and you're not worried you know that's the kind of a simple way to to put it so i hope that's kind of cleared that up yeah, yeah, absolutely. The last question I want to ask you is, I know you're uh, studying the consequences in your new job of conspiracy theories. And I do remember you mentioned the political, the health, uh, social, different yeah. aspects. If I was to ask you, which one of these do you find most intriguing 
which one would that be and why? Um, well, uh, I guess like, yeah. The, I just don't want to get you in trouble, that's it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, I think, um, well, I, I thought you was about to ask which one do you think is the most important. And Please. if you was, if you was to say that, then I would probably say, oh, it's difficult. It's going to either be like one of the health, it's the health related or, 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 um, or science related uh, right. consequences because the science would relate to climate change and then health related, you know, that's like vaccinations and things like right. that. Um, I guess maybe like the, yeah, the science consequences, you know, I guess like, cause I, I think people need to take climate change a little bit more seriously. Um, so I think that's like a really important work package, like consequences to, to, um, to pay attention to, but like the most intriguing one is actually the, the, the work package I'm, I'm leading at the moment, which is, the consequences for people who share them because there's not a lot of research has been done in this mm -hmm. and interestingly because of the questions you've raised you're making me you're actually making me think that maybe you need to pay a little bit of attention to the leaders as well so how do people perceive you know the leaders of uh the conspiracy i mean um, you have rishi sunak in in your country and uh yeah. people in america have different views on him versus yeah. people in uk might have different views it's 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 normal right yeah it's yeah, standard yeah, yeah. so but listen if you're a political leader the world look up to the world the country looks up to you it's as, mm -hmm. it's as simple as that right now so uh back to the to the point you were talking about that you would probably go with the science uh yeah. aspect of the consequential side of uh yeah. conspiracy thoughts yeah so um yeah it just it, you know it, it does back for me and it's kind of uh, I, I think it's related to the health as well they're kind of intertwined right because science feeds into a lot of health uh, related matters like vaccines and things like that and it just you know it does baffle me how uh so many people you know would disagree with huge scientific consensus and that's just because they inherently don't trust science anymore you know they have uh, a distrust against scientific figures and just the scientific community community in general um so you know yeah we're going to do a lot more work on just un uncovering these consequences and um, hopefully that can feed into research in the future that tries to you know figure out ways that we can uh, help with this you know try to increase people's trust in in science and and at the same time decrease their their beliefs and conspiracy theories at least regard you know relate at least related to these harmful harmful conspiracy theories anyway well i would love to have you back you know once that research comes out uh, right. anything else uh dr ricky or that we missed on uh your PhD, any point you wanted to make or something? No, we talked about that uh, quite. It's been a long time since we talked about my PhD, actually. So yeah, no, we uh, yeah we definitely discussed quite a bit of that. You know, the, the the paper on that is available online. Like it's an open access paper. Um, so yeah, I'm happy for people to have a little look at that and they can. Tell Please, me. if you don't mind sending that, I will actually, I will yeah. actually put that. We will put that in the description of this video, so people yeah. who want to read that, and I'm sure. They will, sure. including myself, I would love to read that yeah. paper as well. Yeah, 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 great. That's great. And in that case, there's a couple of other things that I can send you then. You know, when I talk Please. about these broad motives, uh, um, the, the, the paper can go into a lot more detail on that. Uh, and also the bad news game as well, which is... Uh, just Please, that would be great, if you if yeah. you don't mind. Uh, well, Ricky, I want to thank you so much. I know this is a very, uh, this is an amazing area for scrutiny, and I appreciate the work that you have done and you're still doing and helping us better understand some of the ways people think you know so yeah. uh, i'm gonna thank you so much once again for taking the time out uh it was really fun uh chatting with you here and uh i definitely look forward to having you 
again, once you have the consequences, uh, research out on this topic. Yeah. You know? yeah, great. Thank you so much, Tilly. Thank you for inviting me. And I've had a great time too. Cheers. Thanks, Ricky. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.